Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lees. On today's episode, we dive into the suspicious death of Harry Houdini. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Good Ranchers. If you're anything like me, you know that good quality meat makes all the difference in your home-cooked meals. That's why I love Good Ranchers. They deliver 100% American premium meat straight to my doorstep. Since I started using them, my barbecues have gone from great to phenomenal. If you're a foodie or just like a good steak, check out Good Ranchers. It's a game changer for meal times. You can use the link in the description and help support the channel. Before we dive into today's story... You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. And of course, give us a thumbs up if you like our videos. And please, if you want to support the channel, you can go ahead and click that subscribe button and hit the bell notification button to be notified of future videos. So without further ado, let's dive into today's Cold Case Friday. Harry Houdini was born Eric Huiz in Hungary in 1874. When he was four, he emigrated to the U.S. with his mother, Cecilia, and four brothers to meet with his father, Herman, who had already moved to the U.S. a few years before. They settled in the town of Appleton, Wisconsin, where his father was a rabbi at a small Reformed congregation. The family's relative poverty imprinted a drive to be successful on the boy who would be Houdini. By the age of nine, in part to help support his family, Eric began working as a trapeze performer in circuses. In 1882, his family moved to New York City, where Eric began performing in vaudeville shows, then considered to be the top of the entertainment pyramid, though at first, Eric didn't make much impact. In 1891, 17-year-old Eric and friend Jacob Hyman created an act that included a basic set of card and magic tricks called the Brothers Houdini. In 1892, after the death of Eric's father, the brothers Houdini took their show on the road, performing at dime museums and small theaters. In 1894, Eric married 18-year-old Mina Beatrice Rayner, or Bess, who became his stage assistant. 
The pair toured as the Houdinis, but life as traveling performers was hard. In 1898, the 25-year-old Houdini considered quitting the business altogether, burnt out from years on the road. In 1899, while performing in a beer garden in St. Paul, Minnesota, Houdini caught the attention of one Martin Beck, a man of influence in the world of vaudeville. After watching Houdini escape from a pair of handcuffs, Beck gave Houdini a pair of his own handcuffs to try to escape from. Houdini did so with ease. Impressed, Beck put the Houdinis on the influential Orpheum vaudeville circuit, which meant that which meant the husband and wife would perform fewer shows but for more money. Houdini's profile began to rise as an escape artist, and he gained admiration for his skill at manipulating looks and pure bird strength. Houdini also attracted thousands for the pure drama and showmanship of his performance. A typical act would see Houdini bound with chains and tossed in a box that was locked, roped, and weighted, which would then be tossed into water. Houdini, of course, escaped every time. In 1908, Houdini premiered his infamous milk can trick. First, a milk can filled with water was inspected by audience members. A handcuffed Houdini was then squeezed into the milk can, which was sealed with six padlocks. A curtain was drawn, and the audience held their breath along with a submerged magician. Within two minutes, Houdini would somehow break free and emerge from behind the milk can with it still padlocked. In his lifetime, no one ever knew how he did it. Houdini had a penchant for not just creating his own amazing illusions, but performing other magicians' tricks as well, only better. For instance, British magician Charles Morritt pioneered a trick where he made a live donkey disappear on stage. Houdini paid Morritt for the rights to perform the trick and then figured out how to do it, but with an elephant. According to John Cox, author of the Houdini website Wild About Harry, once said, quote, we still don't know how he did the elephant trick. He would Houdiniize these more common feats of magic. His mind was always innovating and always inventing. Part of the reason why more than 100 years later we still don't know the exact tricks behind his performances is because he guarded his secrets so well. Though he was weary of imitators, Houdini didn't patent his tricks, since in the patent process he would have to give a detailed explanation for how they worked. These explanations would be publicly available and therefore destroy the magic. To get around this, for his Chinese water torture cell trick, Houdini staged the trick on stage in England as a one-act play with only a single person in the audience. This allowed him to copyright the act instead of patenting it, meaning no one else could perform the trick, and how he pulled it off remained a secret. While Houdini cultivated an air of mystery around his death-defying feats, he never claimed his abilities to be supernatural. In fact, Houdini grew to detest claims of otherworldly powers, becoming one of the leading critics of the spiritualist movement that was gaining momentum in Europe and the U.S. in the wake of World War I. In the 1890s, Houdini and his wife Bess dabbled in practicing spiritualism, attempting to summon the dead in public after researching names at local graveyards. It didn't take long for Houdini to realize the entire practice was nonsense. According to the famous magician Teller, uh, he once said, quote, When you are a professional magician, you want to see your art respected for what it is, not misused to mislead people about the universe. Houdini would ultimately go on to attend seances undercover, supposing the mediums as simply skilled performers. He would also recreate their tricks at his own shows, asserting there was nothing supernatural about it. 
In all, Houdini spent years attempting to expose mind readers and mediums as con artists, duping an otherwise ignorant audience who might be suffering genuine grief. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And while mediums and seances were no strangers to public doubts, Houdini's vendetta was personal. In 1913, while Houdini was in Sweden to perform for their royal family, Cecilia Weiss, Houdini's mother, passed away. Houdini, a self-proclaimed mother's boy, was reportedly so stricken by the news that he fainted and wept uncontrollably. In the aftermath, though, he had already concluded personally that spiritualism was a con. He nevertheless searched in vain for a real medium to try to contact his deceased mother. In 1922, Houdini was invited to a seance being held by Lady Doyle, the wife of his friend Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of Sherlock Holmes. Sir Doyle believed through spiritualism he could communicate directly with his son Kingsley, who had tragically died in the 1918 influenza epidemic. Further, Sir Doyle believed Houdini himself possess supernatural abilities, something Houdini adamantly denied. Nevertheless, it appears Sir Doyle's admiration for Houdini's otherworldly gifts was at least partially the reason why the two celebrities' friendships began. At the seance conducted by Lady Doyle held at the Ambassador Hotel in Atlantic City, the hostess rapped, in, rapped on the table three times and claimed to be in contact with Houdini's mother. Lady Doyle wrote out 15 pages of messages for Houdini who thanked the Doyles and left quietly. While many may have scoured the pages for some comfort from a loved one beyond the grave, Houdini seethed. The pages were all in English, a language his mother never spoke. The seances with the Doyles seemed to have been the final straw for Houdini, who now set out to expose spiritualists as frauds with renewed determination. Houdini had already written a book, Miracle Mongers and Their Methods, a complete expose of the modus operandi of fire eaters, heat resistors, poison eaters, venomous reptile defiers, sword swallowers, human ostriches, strongmen, etc., which exposed the tricks and trades of various sideshow level acts claiming miraculous feats. Houdini followed the book up with A Magician Among the Spirits, a scathing expose on the spiritualist trickery. He also went forward with a 40-page illustrated pamphlet dedicated to taking down one popular medium in particular. Boston's Mina Crandon, also known as Marjorie. The pamphlet was appropriately titled, quote, Houdini exposes the tricks used by the Boston medium Marjorie. Houdini had also began lecturing around the country about fraudulent spiritualistic phenomena, going so far as to testify, 
testified before Congress in 1926, lobbying for a bill to regulate mediums and fortune tellers, potentially threatening to charge those pretending to tell fortunes for reward and compensation with a, with a crime. Unfortunately for Houdini, this campaign would be short-lived. On October 11th, 1926, Houdini broke his left ankle during a performance in Albany, New York. Being a goddamn professional, Houdini finished the performance and went against doctor's orders by traveling to his next set of performances in Montreal. One evening in Montreal, Houdini began to complain of stomach cramps. During a 15-hour train ride to his next show in Detroit, Houdini was in a great deal of pain, both from his stomach and his shattered ankle, arriving in the Motor City with 104-degree uh, fever. The doctor was brought to the theater and diagnosed Houdini with acute appendicitis and told the magician he needed to get to the hospital immediately. Houdini refused, apparently declaring, I'll do this show if it's my last. Houdini made it through the show, and eventually his wife convinced him finally to go to a hospital. On October 24th, Houdini had an emergency operation to remove his already burst appendix. He underwent a second operation on October 28th, but on October 31st, 1926, Harry Houdini succumbed to a severe case of sepsis. And now there are plenty of theories trying to explain this odd death of uh, Harry Houdini, and we're going to take a look at some of them. So first off, his whitehead's meathead desire to hit another person accidentally caused the appendicitis that led to Houdini's demise. However, according to a 2013 study in the World Journal of Emergency Surgery, appendicitis as the result of blunt force trauma is extremely rare to the extent there is still debate whether it could ever happen. Of course, there's still the possibility that Houdini was developing appendicitis independently of the punches. Either way, this theory postulates that Houdini was simply the victim of random bad luck and that refusing medical treatment certainly did not help matters. Next up, Whitehead was an assassin sent to try to murder Houdini by punching him to death. Houdini had no shortage of enemies, whether it was the other magicians he was constantly belittling, the individual mediums he was targeting, discrediting, or the entire field of spiritualism that he was lobbying to make illegal. Perhaps someone got fed up with Houdini and wanted to prevent him from doing any more damage. Admittedly, this theory is a little weak. As we already said, drama caused appendicitis, if it even exists at all, is rare. So it would be a pretty ineffective assassin who chooses that as their preferred means of murder. And finally, someone from the spiritualist underworld poisoned Houdini while he was in the hospital. We already mentioned the spiritualist community's potential motivation for assassination, and according to Houdini biography, entitled The Secret Life of Houdini, poisoning was a preferred method of murder. Despite receiving death threats, Houdini and Bess traveled without security. Apart from explaining why random med school students could punch him on a whim, this means that there would have been a plenty of opportunity for a spiritualist with a syringe to get to a Houdini while he recovered from surgery. Houdini was buried without an autopsy, meaning there is no evidence to disprove or prove this theory. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section below. What do you really think happened to Harry Houdini? Was it murder? Was it an accident? Or did he just die from... Uh, a burst appendix, 
let us know. Of course, if you want to support the channel financially, you can go ahead and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and let's keep the conversation going on Twitter. Just use the hashtags TCNS podcast and give us your thoughts on the cases we cover. And as always, you can find us on Good Pods and any of your favorite podcast platforms. So thank you for watching and listening. We will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your law makers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program